Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good to see you all. My name is Eric. I get to be one of the pastors here. I just want to welcome you. Whether it's your first time, you've been coming for years, we're glad that you are here tonight. Uh, man, God is here. Amen. It's a beautiful evening to come together. Well, I'm going to dive into God's word today, and then at the end of my message, we'll be doing the child dedications. This week, I was thinking about that question of how do I want to be remembered? And I would ask you that question is how do you want to be remembered, I think that in all of us, there is this search for significance. And that's the title of my message tonight is the search for significance. I think all of us want to live lives that have some kind of significance, that when we die someday, we have left something behind that people remember us, that we've made some kind of impact and imprint on this world, right? Like, we want people to know that, that they've made an impact on us. And the question of how do you want to be remembered? I want you to think about that. How do you want people to remember you, to talk about you? This week, I had the privilege of, on Wednesday night, getting just to be a small part of an awesome Wednesday night youth service of just celebrating and remembering about 30 high school seniors. And it was just really neat to, to listen to different leaders and students speaking life and truth into these high school seniors. And it's not that, you know, life is over for them, but life in the youth group is. And many of them are going off to college in places like North Carolina and Florida and Texas and California, different places. And, and a lot of these students won't see these seniors maybe again for a long time, maybe ever. And it was that question of like, hey, when I'm listening, how do you want to be remembered? What kind of person are you? Uh, earlier today, I uh, got together with my uh, Heritage Christian Academy baseball team. We got to celebrate kind of our end of the year. One of the families had a, uh, has a house on a lake out in Buffalo. So we were just, um, ha- had a little time of getting together, celebrating with this, this middle school baseball team. And I give out character awards uh, for, uh, for all the kids. And again, it's like, how do you want to be remembered? Even as a sixth grader, a seventh grader, and an eighth grader. It's like, what kind of impact do you want to make? You know, do you want to be the kid who's always consistent, who always has a positive attitude, you know, who has grit? And it's speaking life into these kids and, and, and knowing that, man, they're leaving an impact on the younger students and, and those that follow after them. And I know there's power in speaking words, amen? I remember words that were spoken over me when I was a middle schooler. And I was like, What? And, like, I lived that out the rest of my life. And so I just, I, I want to ask you today, like, wh- how do you want to be remembered? What do you want to be remembered for? And we're going to be diving into this kind of search for significance today. We've been walking through the book of Genesis since last fall. We love books of the Bible here at Mosaic. We think there's something beautiful about just walking through God's work chapter by chapter. And so we're going to be diving into 29 and 30 today. We're going to be covering a lot of scriptures. I'm going to be going fast. So if you have your Bibles, you want to follow along. Otherwise, they'll be up here next to me as well. But a few weeks ago when we kicked off this series, uh, Our Imperfect Family, we met this guy, Jacob. Jacob, he's a coward, 
he's soft. But we saw that God saved him a couple weeks ago. And we're going to see this morning, Jacob's going to fall in love with a beautiful woman. And then he's going to end up married to her sister by accident. And then both sisters and their two housekeepers end up having about 12 babies within seven years, which means really many of these women are probably pregnant at the same time. So Jacob lived with multiple pregnant women at the same time. But what we're going to see, and it's like, you know, I know Jacob was saved and he knew God, but man, this had to be a little bit of personal hell, right? Like just all these pregnant women, sisters married to each other. I can't even imagine the emotions going on. We're going to see, though, in the stories that everyone's trying to control their own future and manipulate their own destiny. And I think a lot of times we try to do that, too. And so if this was a movie, it'd be broken up into three different acts, and it'd be a well, a wedding, and a waiting room. A well, a wedding, and a waiting room. Let's pray one more time, then we'll dive into God's word. God, thank you that you are here in this place. Thank you that you are our cornerstone, our firm foundation. God, I pray that as we dive into your word, your truths would go down deep into our hearts, minds, and souls, that we'd walk away with an encouraging word from you. And God, that we would put our hope and trust in you. In your name we pray, amen. Genesis 29, one through five. So Jacob, again, he cheated his, his twin brother, his dad, he's on the run. It says, then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. As he looked, he saw a well in the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep lying beside it. For out of that well, the flocks were watered. The stone on the well's mouth was large, remember that detail, and when all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place over the mouth of the well. And Jacob said to them, my brothers, where do you come from? They said, we are from Haran. He said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? They said, we know him. So Nahor is Abraham's brother. It's Jacob's great uncle. He's asking about this family that he's going off now to go see. And he said to them, is it well with them? And they said, it is well. And see, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. All right, so Moses is this brilliant storyteller. Talk about this. And now he introduces Rachel very subtly. She's coming with the sheep. This is like the hot girl with the bass boat, right? It's a beautiful girl. It's wealth. That's what it reads like today, right? Because sheep meant wealth and status. He's like, thank you, Jesus. Just what I prayed for. A beautiful girl, you know, fish who has her own boat. Verse seven, he said, behold, it is still high day. Is it not time for the livestock to be gathered together? Water the sheep and go pasture them. And they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and the stone is rolled from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. So back in this time, there'd be these wells and the different shepherds would come and water their flocks there. But there'd be a lot of times a big rock covering up the well to keep it safe so no one would fall in, to keep it pure from things like that. But it was very big, very heavy rocks. So they'd wait until kind of all the flocks were gathered. Then all the shepherds together would push, 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 and roll the rock away. Verse, 20, verse 9. While he was still speaking to them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now, Jacob, as we've seen, total underachiever. He's somewhere middle-aged, 40-ish something. He's never had a job, never had a wife, never done much of anything. But in this moment, he's like, whoa. It's love at first sight, and he knows he has to make a good first impression. For guys, this is important. Like, if you ever want a second date or even a first date, you got to make a good first impression, right? And so, that, so Jacob knows he's got to have a good first impression. But he's on the run from his twin brother who wants to kill him, so he's got nothing to his name, just the clothes on his back. So it's like, how is he going to impress hot Rachel, right? What's he going to do to impress Rachel? Verse 10. 
Now, as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, beautiful girl, lots of wealth, Jacob came near and rolled the stone by himself from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. So Jacob goes like full on Hulk mode. Like normally like the, all the guys are gathered together to roll the rock away by himself. Like Jacob wants to make a good impression. So he's pushing the rock away. He, he's like, all right, lift something heavy. That impresses the girls, right? That's what he's thinking. He's like, they can't resist that. And, and he's like, okay, I got to do something to impress Rachel. And, 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 you know, there's no lengths a dude's going to go to to impress a woman. Amen? That's why we have baby dedications. All right, verse 11. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. So he just met her. He kisses her, and then he starts weeping. Jacob's very emotional. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's kinsman and that he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. So, again, Jacob, middle-aged, uh, still single, on the run from his hairy twin brother who wants to kill him, and now he meets Beautiful Rachel who wants the love of his life. Now, this is total unexpected blessing, right? Another, I almost have my message, unexpected blessings and brokenness. And here's the thing in life. Oftentimes, we find these unexpected blessings when we're not even expecting it. And we'll have unexpected brokenness. And both these things are what make life, life. And God is still with us in the brokenness and in the blessings, Amen. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, that God can do some amazing things in places where you aren't expecting it. God can do some amazing things in places you aren't expecting it. You know, maybe it's, again, coaching a baseball team. You know, maybe it's at a Wednesday night service. Maybe it's out on a lake with some friends, out to dinner, in a church service. I believe in unexpected places, God can show up and do some amazing things in your life. Amen. So Jacob then meets Rachel's family, and he goes to work for her dad. He's like, okay, i got to start working for the dad because i got nothing, and i got to have a career. Now, verse 16. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Now, all the translators and commentators, they don't know what quite to make of this. Some people say she has cow eyes, so maybe she has big eyes, or maybe she had weak eyes, like she couldn't see very far. But all we know is they comment on Rachel's eyes, or I mean Leah's eyes, but Rachel, they say she's beautiful in form and appearance, but they don't say that about Leah. So this is kind of the Bible's way of saying Leah had a great personality, okay? That's just the truth between these two sisters, right? The older sister and the younger sister. So you draw your own conclusions. And here comes Jacob, and who does he probably want to marry, Right? Verse 18, Jacob loved Rachel, the younger sister, the beautiful one. And he said to the dad, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And here's one of the best lines of poetry in the Bible. And they seemed to him but just a few days because of the love he had for her. And everyone's like, aww. Like he worked seven years for Rachel, but it seemed by just a few days because he loved her so much. So he's working hard. He's sweating, working for his future father-in-law. Seven years are up. So what's, Ra- what's Jacob going to do? Verse 21, then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife that I may go into her. for My time is completed. He's like, I've done seven years. Give me my wife. So now we move from the well to the wedding. This is act two. Wedding day. Big party, right? There must have been lots of wine flowing. We'll see why. Verse 22. So Laban gathered together all the people of that place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah, the older daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. 
So the dad switches and substitutes the older daughter for the younger daughter. Now, how did Jacob not notice? Right? All we can assume is he's had a few too many drinks. The candles are out in the tent. He's been dreaming about this for seven years, waking up next to beautiful Rachel. It's like, how drunk do you have to be to not even realize this? Verse 25, and in the morning, behold, it was Leah. So he wakes up. There's Leah looking at him. It's like, hey, big tiger. And he's like, what? And I just picture Jacob, like, boxer shorts on, hair's crazy, running outside the tent like, where's my father-in-law? What did you do to me, right? He's been waiting for this for seven years. Like, what an awkward moment. This is why I love the Bible, because these stories are, these families are messed up. Verse 25, and Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Underline that in your Bible. Why have you deceived me? All right, this is a pivotal moment in Jacob's life because he's now going to reap what he's sowed. See, Jacob, his name means deceiver. He's deceived his brother. He's deceived his father. He's deceived Rachel, thinking that he, you know, he's a strong, hard worker, right? His whole life, he's been pretending to be someone that he's not. He's been deceiving people. You can write this down, that you reap what you sow. Mourning always comes. You might end up next to Leah. You never know. But what does his name mean? He's a deceiver. He's like, wait a minute. You did to me what I did to my brother and my dad. See, Jacob substituted the younger brother for the older brother, but his father-in-law substitutes the older sister for the younger sister. He turns the tables, and here's the truth. If you're a liar, eventually a better liar is going to get you. If you're a thief, eventually a better thief is going to get you. See, for seven years, Jacob thought he got one over on God. He thought he stole the blessing from his brother. But mourning always comes. And Jacob has met his match. Laban is a much better deceiver than he is. Here's the thing I've learned. God will often put people in our lives with the same character defects as us, but who are far better, quote-unquote, at the thing we struggle with, to cause us to suffer miserably so we know what it's like and so we can see how others have been treated by us. Like, I can think of one person in particular that I've worked with who drove me crazy, and I do not like him because he has the same exact character defects as I have. <laughs> it's not Ryan. It's no one I work with now. <laughs> but oftentimes, God will use someone else with the same flaws that we have and put them in our life, and then we can see, oh, no, if I don't get a handle on my anger, this is what other people experience. If I don't get a handle on my drinking, this is what it's like for other people. If I don't get a handle on my lying, this is what it's like for other people. If I don't get a handle on whatever it is that you struggle with that you think, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Be aware, if God puts someone in your life that's really driving you crazy and struggles with the same defects that you have, it might just be his way of trying to hold up that mirror to say, hey, this is what you're like in a much worse way. Let's go on, 26. And Laban said, it is not done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. He's like, hey, remember, supposed to honor the firstborn, that thing you didn't do? He says, complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other one in return for serving me another seven years. And Jacob did so. He completed the week of honeymoon with Leah. Then Laban gave him his daughter, Rachel, to be his wife. Now, ladies, can you imagine how awkward this would be? If you and your sister were married to the same guy, and your sister was the beautiful one. <laughs> like, man, picture being Leah. Like, this is, whew. 
Verse 30, so Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban for another seven years. So Jacob worked seven years, then he got Leah. But now Jacob gets Rachel, and then he works for seven years. Why is this important? Leah is a picture of the law. In the law, you work hard, you keep God's commandments, and then you might get some kind of blessing. But Rachel's a picture of grace. He just gets Rachel. Then out of gratitude in his heart, he reflects his works. Same thing. See, the law says work really hard and then you get reward. Grace says here's your reward. Christ's righteousness, his resume, his justification. Now out of gratitude, go and serve God and obey him. See, church, we serve others. We serve God not trying to earn something but because of the grace that's been given to us, then now we respond with an attitude of gratitude and of service. Those of us who are partners in the room, again, I want you to have this mindset that you, we don't come here looking to receive. We come looking, how can we give? How can we serve others out of gratitude that we found community, we found hope, we found some kind of healing, amen? And now we say, hey, we're in this together. Let's go serve someone. So we come every Sunday night saying, hey, how am I going to serve someone? How am I going to love someone? How am I going to bless someone? Not so we get something, but out of gratitude for what we've already received. There's two foundational things I think that drive us in our lives, though. Write these down. is approval and achievement. And we're going to see that these two sisters really struggle with these two things. And they're searching for approval and achievement. I think we do the same thing. But now we're going to move on to Act 3. So keep that in mind. Approval and achievement. We started at a well, went to a wedding, and now we move to the waiting room. Verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, man, he opened her room. But Rachel was barren. When the Lord saw that Leah was not chosen or loved, he chose her to be blessed. I'm so glad God blesses the unloved, the unseen. Amen. It's one of the reasons we love God. He sees those who people forget. See, God selects when man rejects. But oftentimes those who are shoved aside, who aren't chosen, who aren't selected, those are the ones that God selects. He says, Leah, I see you. I see what others have rejected. I'm the God of the widow and the foreigner and the orphan. I'm the God of lonely, unloved Leah. He says, I see you there, Leah, lying unwanted at night. Jacob doesn't love you, but you know what? Jacob doesn't even love himself. God says, I love you, Leah. For everyone who's rejected in a marriage, for every child that grew up without a dad because he ran away when things got tough. For every kid who walked into the lunchroom and didn't have a place to sit. I want you to know that God selects those that others reject. That God sees you. That God loves you. So Leah is seen and blessed by God, and yet she still feels like she has something to prove. So she starts having babies, which is a good thing. We're going to celebrate that in a little bit. Having kids is a good thing. They're great for church growth. But why are you having babies, Leah? Verse 32, and Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, man, this bums me out, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband's going to love me. She's like, all right, I gave him a son. Now, now he's going to love me. Whose approval are you trying to get by what you're trying to produce? 
whose approval are you trying to get? Leah's trying to get her husband's approval by producing something for him. Sometimes we'll start a business or try to work hard to produce something to get someone's approval. Is there someone's approval you're looking for about what you can produce, what you can do? She conceived again and bore a son, and she said, because the Lord has heard that I'm hated, he has given me this son also. It's the second son. So she called his name Simeon, which means the Lord hears. And again she conceived and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will be attached to me. Man, after three. Because I've borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. And here's where things shift a little bit for Leah. She's been only focused on her husband, but now she's like, okay, you know what? God's given me four sons. I'm, I'm going to turn my praises to him. Therefore, she called his name Judah, which means praise. Then she ceased bearing. I think we see in Leah what we see in so many of us. We produce trying to find some kind of approval. But until God is enough for you, nothing you produce will ever be enough. Leah's given her husband four sons, and yet she still can't get Jacob's attention. But let's check in on beautiful Rachel, the younger sister. She's got it all going on the outside, but she can't produce what Jacob wants the most, a son. And both sisters are miserable. Chapter 30, verse 1. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, give me children or I shall die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Jacob's like, this isn't my problem. <laughs> like, I'm having kids with your sister. Like, this is all on you, right? But here's the thing. Leah was so jealous of her sister because Rachel had the love of Jacob. But sometimes the people we're jealous of are actually miserable. Why are we drawn to what we don't have? If I could just blank, if I could just have this blank, God is saying, who are you going to look to? But Rachel can't accept, accept this, so what does she do now? Now, this is just plain, plain crazy. This is like the real housewives of Padan, Aram. It's like, Rachel, what are you going to do? This is nuts, right? She's like, verse 3, then she said, here is my servant Bilhah. Take the housekeeper, take the nanny. Go into her that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife, and Jacob went into her. Jacob's all like his grandpa, Abraham. He's like, you want me to sleep with the nanny? I can do that, honey. And so he does. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me and has heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I wrestled with my sister and I prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children, she took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Right? So now Leah stops praising God because her sister starts giving her husband children through her nanny. And so she wants to do that. So she gives her servant to her husband. It's like, man, previously Leah was happy because she was giving her husband the one thing her sister couldn't. But now she's like, I'm going to give you my servant too. This is a huge messed up family, right? Verse 10. Then Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. And Leah said, good fortune has come. So she called his name Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy am I. I don't think you are, Leah. For women have called me happy, and she called his name Asher. Now she's moved from seeking her husband's approval to God's to other women. She's like, well, now I've got like six boys, and so now I'm seeking the happiness and approval of others. 
There's this weird story about mandrakes. You can look at that at your own time. Verse 22, though. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. She called his name Joseph, saying, may the Lord add to me another son. (laughs) I love She gets finally what she's asking for, and she's like, God, give me one more, right? But all this stuff Rachel was trying to do to achieve was eclipsed in one moment when God remembered her. And one moment out of receiving from God is better than a lifetime of just trying to achieve. Here's the thing as we wrap this up. Why are we going through all this? Well, I think a lot of us are like Leah and Rachel. See, one desperately wanted approval, and one was so desperate to achieve what she couldn't produce on her own. I think, again, you and I can identify with this desire for approval and achievement. But if I could sit down with Leah, I would take her all the way to Matthew chapter 1 and say, hey, take take a look at this, though. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah. What? Jesus comes not from Rachel's line, but from Leah's? Not from the firstborn Reuben, but from the fourth son, Judah? That's one of Leah's sons. The the one that Jacob didn't even want to marry? Jesus comes from Judah? David comes from Judah? The Savior of the world came from the one who was rejected. God wants you to know that he can turn rejection into blessing. The one that Jacob never even wanted produced the child that ultimately produced the one that would save the world. Well, let's not leave Rachel out of this either. Rachel had Joseph who ended up as the second in command in Egypt and saved the whole world. Rachel who struggled to produce for so long ended up producing a child that saved the world. See, the thing is God is working. Even when we can't see it, God is working right now. And if we could just see the big picture, that sometimes rejection is a blessing that leads us to God's acceptance. Sometimes frustration is a blessing because it leads us to finally depend on God and look to him instead of others' approval or achievement to something else. See, we all have this unexpected brokenness that comes in our life, whether it's infertility, whether it's being in a loveless marriage, of not being able to produce what you want to produce, but we also have these unexpected blessings in our lives. And in just a little bit, we're going to be celebrating these maybe unexpected, maybe expected blessings of these little children. Now, anytime we do child dedications, we want to just celebrate. We want to say, God is so good. I also want to acknowledge, I know there are people in our church who want to be parents, and it hasn't happened yet. And what I could say is keep holding on to hope and try to celebrate with your church family these blessings that are here. Because truly, we get to all steward these kids together as a church family. Amen? And, and what, a, what a beautiful, beautiful thing that is. Um, why do we do these child dedications? Well, there's, there's really two reasons as, as we move into child dedication time. This is two things. It's, it's one thing. It's the parents dedicating their parenting to God. And then it's also us dedicating these children to God. It's saying, hey, ultimately these kids are a gift and a blessing from God. They don't belong to us. We get to steward them. But ultimately we say, hey, God, thank you 
for the blessing of these children. And now we're going to dedicate them to you. We are trusting in you. And also, these parents are going to come up here, and they're going to say, hey, it can be hard to be a parent. We're going to say, hey, we're going to do this to the best of our abilities. We're going to raise these kids in a faith community with others who will teach them Bible stories and scriptures and fun songs and worship back there. That together we'll gather and have cookouts and wiffle ball games, right? And growing up in a family of faith. And then as a congregation, we're going to make some pledges and promises too. Saying, hey, you're not just in a row. As a church family, we're saying, hey, we're with you in this. That when times get tough, we're cheering you along and saying, yes, we're going to help you raise your kids to know and love Jesus. We're going to be good examples We're going to be the aunts and uncles and grandparents of faith. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.